Good morning, church. Can we all stand and welcome the presence of the Lord today? Yesterday, I was privileged to attend the homegoing service of a close friend's father. And uh, they sang a song yesterday that really just resonated with me. And it's been in my head the whole day, all night. And first thing I woke up this morning, it was still there. I'm going to make a half-hearted attempt to share it with you all. And uh, if you know it, please don't be afraid to join in. We've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. He's never failed me yet. Oh, can't turn around. We've come this far by faith. One more time. We've come this far by faith. Leaning on the Trusting in his holy word, he's never failed me yet. Oh, can't turn around, we've come this far by faith. Hallelujah. You know, the song goes on to say that don't be discouraged. When trouble comes in your life, he will never bear your burden. He will bear your burdens. He will remove all misery and strife. A man said that he didn't believe in the Lord. But I can't truly say that the Lord, I can truly say that he will make a way. Because he has never failed. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're truly grateful that you are who you are and that by faith we can accomplish anything. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence today. For those who have come expecting of you, we know that you are more than able. For those who are at home or unable to, we know that you are far-reaching. Today, Lord, Give us a double portion of your presence and of your glory. Receive our worship today. May it bless you and give glory to your name. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the worship team, please. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. God is good. And all the time. Hallelujah. He is just so awesome. There's something about singing his praise, amen? There's just something liberating about praising God. So we're going to give him the highest praise this morning. Can we give him the highest praise this morning? What is the highest praise? What is the highest praise?
super, 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 supernatural power. Super, 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 supernatural power. Cast your burdens on Jesus. He cares for you. Cast your burdens on Jesus. He cares for you.
Lord, there is 
treasures of your mighty
Here I am. Here I am. 
better job of giving God praise. Hallelujah. He deserves it. Amen. He deserves our praise. He deserves our worship. He deserves the glory for being God and him being God alone is enough for us to praise him. He is worthy to be praised. You deserve the glory. And the honor, Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor, Lord, we lift our hands in worship. As we live, you deserve, for you deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. You deserve the glory. heaven and earth, the one who woke us up this morning, that has given us all that we have and all that we are. Is there any other reason that we should not enter into his gates 
thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Would you take this time just to thank him for who he is and for what he is to you. So I thank you for being the Lord God. I thank you for life, health, and strength. I thank you for the job that I complain about every day. I thank you for my family. I thank you for my friends. I thank you even for my co-workers, Lord. I thank you for every mountain. I thank you for every valley. I thank you for every river. I thank you. I thank you. The sun rose today. Thank you, Jesus. It rained. For everything, we should give thanks. Thanks that he is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he will do. And no matter what, he will never leave nor forsake you. And the one thing absolutely cannot do is fail. So thank you for being who you are. I want to take this time to break down the barriers that you've built between you and him and truly connect with him today. You say, well, I haven't done that. Of course we have. All those things you're holding on to that you cannot solve. Let's break it down and give it to him for the hurt, the pain, the anger that you're carrying around with you today. Let it go. Give it to him. Trust him. Trust him. And if I'm only talking to myself today, so be it. But I know that this is an opportunity to truly touch him and give to him the burdens that you no longer have to carry. Oh, what pain. Give it to God in prayer. Oh, Lord, now, God, we are truly in awe of you. Your awesomeness is unimaginable. And that you would look upon someone like me with love and understanding and mercy. I am truly grateful. For everyone here today, oh, Lord, that came to receive something of you today, let them in faith receive it and carry it with them through this week. Lord, we know quite often that the world attacks us from the left, from the right. But let us hold on to you. You are our strength and our refuge and our strong tower. May we look to you in all things, and seek your kingdom first. Because we know if we do that, everything else falls into place. We are grateful that you created us. That we are not an accident. That you did this on purpose. Because we have a purpose. 
We thank you, Lord, that we have the ability to serve the one true God, the true creator of heaven and earth. We know, Lord, that in a world gone mad, that you reign. And that we but hold on to your word, which is unchanging and unshakable, that we have more than enough to make it through. Lord, give us the strength to praise you in the valleys. Lord, give us the strength to praise you through the challenges. Lord, give us the strength to always believe that no matter what the tides may come, that you are able to calm the seas. Your power is without limit, and your love for us abounds. For those of us who are suffering a loss, sick of body, or just have a need, Lord, we know that you know each and every one of us individually. And you are ready to meet us at the point of our need. All we need to do is accept and believe it. For those, O oh Lord, who would love to be here but are unable, we thank you that you are everywhere at all times and that you can reach them where they are. For those, O oh God, who are in authority over us, for our leaders, both local, national, international, help us to pray for them that they will listen to you and take your counsel and do your will. Help us to remain committed to the plan. We know your plan is the only one that matters and is the one that is truly perfect. To serve us today, Lord, each of us need a special touch of you and are ready to receive. So, Lord, pour into these empty vessels all that you have for us today. And let us truly connect with you in a special way. We love you, Lord, and we absolutely know that you love us. So we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. For the worship team, please. Well, good morning and welcome. Wow, that was lukewarm. You know what he does with lukewarm. Let's try that again. Good morning. Ah, thank you so much. It is a pleasure to be with you here today. It's always good to be in God's house among God's people, praising and worshiping together. Do you know that our combined strength is greater than any army ever put on this earth? A small group of people committed to the Lord can do so much. It's truly amazing. At this time, I'd like to recognize those of you who may be joining us for the very first time. If this is your first time here at Living Word Open Bible, we're not going to ask you to speak. But we do want to acknowledge you, so if you would stand. The ushers have a special packet for you, so if your first time, stand for a moment so we can give you some love. First time guest. All right. 
Anyone joining us for the second time or third time? Had such a wonderful time the first time you came out? So I must come and learn a little bit more about this wonderful body. Second time, just slip your hands up. We have something for you as well. Second time, yes? Well, it's awesome to be among the faithful who are coming each and every week, and of course our members. But let's keep working on inviting those people in for the first time. So a round of applause for yourselves, please, for coming here today. This time I have a few announcements. You received this wonderful form when you came in, and it has a great listing of some of the upcoming events. Uh, first and foremost, our youth camp, uh, Camp Freedom. Uh, the dates are July 23rd through the 27th. But the most important date is May 30th, which is when your $50 deposit is due. So please, let's try to get that in as soon as possible. The Iwana closing ceremony is on Sunday, June 4th at 7 p.m. If you've not been a part of that great initiative, it is truly something special. So please make your plans to be at the closing ceremony. The leadership meeting is on June 11th at 6 in the original sanctuary. So all leaders, please mark your calendars to be here for that very, very important meeting. 50 Days of Transformation, our small group initiative. How many of you are ready in your group and all right, there you go. Okay. When I first started the church, we were doing the 40 days of purpose. And I know what it did for me in terms of building good relationships and camaraderie, but also an opportunity to learn more about myself and the Word. So if you're not a part of this, it's definitely something that you would like to do. Um, the information and the contact is on there. And the participant book is only $10. It's a very, very reasonable fee. Very important financial seminar coming up on Sunday, June 25th at 7 p.m. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm going to turn the clock <clears throat> to 50. And I've been getting calls every other day about this. So if this is a great time, if you're not there yet, it's still okay, to really start putting your finances in order and really getting an idea for that retirement plan. Um, so the 25th, come with your questions. and really take advantage of this opportunity. Those are the announcements I have for you today. Any others, please? Hold on to these things. Mark your calendars. Extremely important. All right at this time, I'm going to ask the ushers to do morning's tithes and offering. And as this is for Sunday, you get a chance to truly celebrate in our giving. So we're going to be doing this Nigerian style. Okay. <laughs> Just a quick instruction. The ushers are going to start from the back, and they'll guide you through. You'll come. You'll place your offering. Go back around and back to your seat. Okay. All right. Sister Gibson, would you mind? Give your thanks this morning, Lord. 
for the privilege, O oh God, you wake us up, Lord, and you give us the privilege to come into your house one more time, O oh God. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. All, O oh God, that you have given to us. Nothing belongs to us, O oh God. Everything is from you, Father God. So, Father, we just thank you. And as we are about to give a portion out of what you have provided for us, Lord, God, we ask you to bless it, Father God, and to use it for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. What can I say? opportunity to celebrate as you go. made the giving even better? I think so. All right, at this time I have a, uh, we have a quick announcement for VBS, Sister Orlette. Are you ready for a totally unique VBS adventure? You've never seen anything like this. Welcome to a place where kids will build, explore, and discover that they were made by the ultimate creator, God. This is Maker Fun Factory. Kids are so creative. This VBS shows kids what a unique and wonderful creation they are. Everything's so hands-on, even the decorations. 
We got to make the snacks and even invent our own games. That was so much fun. This totally helps kids discover that they were intentionally created, that God has a really big plan for their life. I like seeing the kids that were inventors. It's great to see kids' imaginations running wild. I've never been to anything like this before. It's amazing to think of the change this is going to have on kids as they go back to their daily lives. They'll live differently, knowing that God created them and has a purpose for their life. I can't wait to come back again. Good morning, everyone. Were you listening? You were? Okay, everything that is said is true. VBS, Vacation Bible School, is the most fun-filled, fantastic week here at Living Word. There's no other week here like VBS. This amazing, fun-filled, fantastic week will be on July 10th through 14th. When will we be? Good. Starting at 6.30 p.m. and ending at 9 p.m. Cost only, only a measly $15 will be the cost for each child. We accept children ages three through eighth grade. So if your child is entering eighth grade um, next school semester, when the school semester begins, they are qualified for VBS. Guess what? It is a family affair. So you're all included in some way or the other. And where we start is volunteers. We need volunteers. So don't be afraid to come to me anytime, anywhere, any place, and volunteer. Registration begins next week Sunday after 8 a.m. and 11 p.m. service. Thank you, and have a great day. Thank you, sister. All right, it's my pleasure this time to introduce our senior pastor, and the opportunity for you to receive what the Lord has for us today. So please put your hands together for Pastor Carl Francis. Isn't it wonderful that uh, for VBS, and then right after VBS, we get camp coming up. So you have something to do with your kids for the summer. And so you can send them to VBS. And then all following that, you can also get summer camp. And uh, so that's a wonderful thing to do. I know my wife and I, when we were, when we, our kids were younger, right as we dropped them off on the bus for summer camp, we rode off into the sunset for a vacation. And then we arrived when the bus arrives back to pick them up right after that. Um, today, I want to just take a moment to uh, pray for a family that is moving to, they're not going to help Trump out. They're going to try to straighten him out, I think. Um, and so the Curtis family is moving to Washington, D.C., by the way. And so this is your last Sunday with us, and uh, we're going to miss them dearly. And so I'm going to ask them to come on up at this time so we can pray with them and pray for them as they go. I uh, don't know if the, the children may be somewhere else, but uh, they're here. Um, so come right up, come right up. They've been with us for many years, and uh, they used to drive, you know, the first time I visited them, I didn't realize how far they came from. They were way over on Miami Beach and a long way over. 
And they were very faithful to come to us and ministry here. And we thank them for the various ministry that they have served. And um, Brother Chris is coming back to help us in our 25th anniversary. <laughs> and so he's already arranged that. And so we really appreciate that. And so we're going to miss you both, the family, the entire family, the kids and everyone. And uh, we just want to pray God's blessing on them as they go. And a uh, big transition. And uh, that the Lord would just give them favor. He's had, Brother Chris has had big favor in his job. So he has a huge promotion. And that's why he's going. Uh, maybe you could tell them where you're working. Good morning, church. Yes, um, so, yeah, I just want to say thanks for, for everyone, you know, all the support throughout the years. I got to thank publicly Pastor Francis and Sister Francis for their support, Brother Rampasad, Brother Brown, you know, the whole church family. Even if I don't call your name, I just want to thank you publicly because, you know, coming from New York and we had no family down here, this has become our family and, you know, I just thank you guys for everything that you have done, and, and thank you for, Pastor, everything that you have, you have um, teached us, you know, you have taught us, you have, you have um, gave us so much that, that I think helped me along the way, you know. So I got a promotion on my job. Um, when I came down to Florida, I was a sous chef, you know, that means I'm assistant to the chef, you know, and... And I was, I was very faithful in what I do. Whatever I'm doing, I do it not for my boss, but for my boss, you know. And I always just give more than 100%, just give all I have. Because I know that, that my reward is not based on what I do for men. It's based on what I do for God. And if you're doing it for God, he's faithful. And he'll promote you. You don't have to ask for a raise. You don't have to ask for a promotion. You don't have to ask for nothing. You just serve God, and he'll just raise you up. And, and I've seen where, where God have given me so much favor, you know. And, and this, this move now comes from, from my bosses looking at me and saying, Hey, Chris, uh, we have this project in Washington, D.C. that we think you are the guy for this. It's, uh, it's the National Gallery. It's one block from, from the... the we call it Capitol Building. So I'm just right there on the mall. And I, I, I'm in charge of 11 different outlets, you know, for, for, for food, you know. And, you know, it's a, it's a huge, huge job. You know, sometimes when I'm there and I look at it and I'm like, wow, this is so much, you know. But, but I, when I, I just find comfort in that. Whatever, however big this is, God is bigger than it. And, and I, I can't do it just in my strength. You know, I just, I just have this confidence that it doesn't matter what life throws at me, that God will never give any of us more than we can bear. You know, and, and just as he, just as he, 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 he took, he took um, Joseph from the pit, to the palace. I feel like you have done that in my life and in my family life, you know, because we come here with absolutely nothing and God has raised us up. And it's not because we're great or we're good. It's because we're faithful to him and he's faithful to us. 
you know. So I'm just thankful for, for everything, and I'm thankful for every. Uh, one thing I don't want to forget is the, and I got to plug this, for all the guys that don't go to the Saturday morning priors, you know. You got to start going to those Saturday morning priors, you know, because we come together and we, we pray as men, and we, we, we encourage each other, and we strengthen each other. And, and I think that, that that has played a huge part in my growth and my development. So please take, you know, it's second and fourth Saturday. Just, just come out, just go talk to Brother Rampasad, you know, Brother, Brother Andrew. They'll, they'll give you all the, the instructions or whatever you need. You know, they'll, they'll help you along the way. Don't neglect it. Don't just let it be the same 12, 15 guys, you know. All, I think all the guys here should go there and participate in it and, and take that time out for prayer because, you know, whatever, wh wh whenever you pray, God is faithful enough to answer it. He's very faithful, and, and I'm telling you, I'm thankful for that ministry, Okay. Sorry for going on like this. She said, he said, he said enough for both of us. <laughs> All right, just put your hand towards them. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this family, God. We thank you that you have loaned them to us for a time. And now, Father, there's a transition. And Lord, you have prepared them for where they're going because you are always ahead of times. You always are ahead of where we are. And so, Lord, as we send them forth, we, uh, we know that you are going with them. And if you are with them, they are in good hands. And so, Father, we pray that you'll continue the favor that they've seen, that you will continue that favor to open doors, to protect the entire family, God, to watch over them, providing the right schooling for the children and the right place of worship and all the different things, Father, that are important. We ask that you would really look over this for them and superintend over their lives. And so we commend them to you, Father. We ask you to order their steps and direct their path and make them a blessing. And Out of their lives, may you shine. And Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in them and through them. And so now we send them forth with your guidance, with your hand upon them, with your divine covering and protection. For we ask it in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so we've, uh, we've been on a journey with our 50 days of transformation. And several of you are telling me that you're enjoying those small group times together. And uh, some groups are halfway. Some groups in another couple of weeks will be finished. And other groups are just about to start. So they hear about it. So they want to get started. So uh, we're going to try to work with those as well. And we've been dealing with this time your mental health. If you'll recall, that was what we're talking about this week. We're talking about mental health. And uh, we did part one of that last week. If you would like to 
get that, you can go back on the website and go into archives and you'll be able to get what we had for part one. So let me refresh your memory a little bit uh, about what we talked about the last time. We talked about that we need to manage our minds. And we, we, we focused on why is that important, that we should manage our minds. And we gave three reasons. Number one, we said, my thoughts control my life. And that is absolutely true. Every action first begins with a thought. And everything you and I do, it first we originate in our thinking. And so my thoughts actually control my life. And then we, really, we also looked at my mind is the battleground for sin and temptation. But when the devil wants to attack you, what he wants to do is to take over your mind. If he can control your mind, then he can control you. And so that's the big thing. Your mind is the battleground where sin, well, the battle for righteousness and, and, and to live right starts in the mind. And temptation starts there. So temptation starts, first of all, with a desire. And the Bible says in James that that desire comes from within us. We, if you remember Adam and Eve, the Bible says that Eve, when she saw that the fruit was pleasant to the eyes and good for food, the desire came in her. And so there was that desire. And from that desire, she moved on to, uh, the, she began to doubt. She began to doubt what God says. What did, it, what did, it say, what did it, uh, the uh, serpent say? Hath God said, thou shalt not eat? Did he really say that? And so he raised doubt in her mind. And then from that, there is deception. And so he deceived her. He says, you shall not surely die. That was a lie. And so, we, you know, when you are tempted to do the wrong thing, you're bought into a lie. The enemy has deceived us. And then after deception, of course, comes the defeat, where you actually take the you take the action. And so she took of the fruit and she ate it. But it started in the mind. You know, we began to think if the desires there and then it started doubt in the mind. Did God really say that? Is that really true? And, and, and will I really die if, if I eat the fruit? And all these questionings are going on in the mind. And so that's where it begins. So if I can control my mind, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, you can control your life. And then we said, my mind is the key to peace and happiness. My mind is the key to peace and happiness. And remember the Bible says, thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is what? Stayed on thee. So thou will keep him in perfect peace. Can you imagine that? Wow, what a thing it would be to have perfect peace, complete peace, full peace, if your mind is stayed on him. And so from this then, we, we said, given the fact that this is the power of the mind, I need to make three daily choices. Every day, I need to make some choices. And uh, we talked about two of them, and then we're going to focus on the last one today. So the first one we said, the first daily choice we need to make, I must feed my mind with truth. If my mind controls my life, then I want to live my life based on truth. I don't want to live my life based on a lie. Would you want to live your life based on a lie? No. We don't want to live our life based on a lie. I want to live my life based on a truth. And so, uh, you know, the, so therefore what I have to do is to fill my mind with truth. 
And there is no greater truth than what? What is the greatest truth you have? God's Word. God's Word is the greatest truth we have. And so we have to fill our mind with the Word of God. And when you're beginning to operate by the Word of God, you know you're working with truth. If you want to know what is the truth, you check the Word. What does the Word say I should do in this situation? You're going to act upon the truth when you're doing that. And so I must first fill my mind with truth. And then the second thing we saw is that um, we must free my mind from deceptive thoughts or destructive thoughts. Free my mind from destructive thoughts. Now where do these destructive thoughts come from? Well, we talked about three enemies that we have that bring destructive thoughts to us. We said that the devil cannot read your mind. He doesn't know what you're thinking right now. You know, he can't read your mind. But he can put suggestions in your mind. And so when you get a suggestion to do something that is not the right thing, can I tell you, the devil just put a suggestion in your mind. And he's going to see if you're going to act upon the suggestion. So we have three enemies. Number one, first of all, my flesh, my carnal flesh. My flesh, my body wants to be pleased. And it doesn't care whether it's be pleased with something that is righteous or, or something that is ungodly. As long as it is pleased, that's all it wants. And so, you know, you know when something happens, isn't it amazing that the flesh, when somebody does something to you, your flesh rises up and says, say this to them. And, you know, and did you ever notice that when your flesh rises up to that, it feels there's a little pleasure in it? Anybody ever notice that? It, it feels a little bit pleasure. And then when you really release what you say and it, and it stings, the flesh says, go, you got it. Isn't that true? The flesh is terrible. This flesh really wants to do and it wants to control us. You know, it wants to control us. And it wants us to do what it wants us to do. It wants us to take care of it and pretty it up. You know, like how you did this morning. You took care of it and pretty it up. And then it says, you got to feed me. And it tells you what it wants. So, you know, sometimes you said, you know, I feel like I could eat some stew peas today. Where do you think that's coming from? Your flesh. Your flesh says, you know, feed me. Here's what I want you to give me today. And, and guess what you do? You drive all the way, go to, and, then, and by the way, the flesh says, and I don't want any beef in it. I, I want pig's tail in this one. And, um, and so the, that's what the flesh says. And so the, you said, but, but, but then you start reasoning your mind, but the pig's tail is so far away. And the flesh says, I don't care. Drive down there to get it for me. And, and, and then you pick yourself up, jump in your car, fall in your flesh, and drive all the way down somewhere to go get the pig's tail. You know, and, and then to come back. And the flesh, and of course, when you sit around that meal, the flesh says, ah, good, this is good, this is good, you're a good boy. You know, you know, oh, I'm telling you, that flesh, you got to watch the flesh. And so we have the flesh. And, and then we have the devil. You know, the devil comes and he plans. Now, you have the power to resist him. You know what the Bible says? Resist the devil and what will happen to him? He flee. So when somebody says the devil made me do it, really the devil didn't make you do it. The devil planted a suggestion in your head, but you and I have to respond to it. You and I have to say yes to him. But he can't make you do anything. You are in control. And you need to remember that. You are in control. 
You can say no to his suggestions. When he suggests to you to do something that is not right, you can take authority over it. And, he just said, and that's why the Bible says, I take every thought, what? Captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. I take it captive and I begin to say, no, I'm not doing that. Devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And so, you know, there are thoughts that come to you that you need to rebuke right away. You know, he says, I rebuke that thought. I plead the blood of Jesus against that thought. Because there come some horrible thoughts can come in your mind. Now, you know, you, you didn't sit down to think about those thoughts. They just pop into your mind. And you're saying, where does this horrible thought come from? That's the devil trying to get you to do something wrong. He's trying to impact you because he can put suggestions in your head. And so you have to control your thoughts. And so we talk about free my mind from destructive thoughts. And then thirdly, which is what we want to focus on today, I must focus my mind on the right things. I must focus my mind on the right things. And so today we're going to look at what is the right thing that I need to focus my mind on. What I want to, I want to keep us on something that is central, that is critical among all the right things I can think about. I want to think about this. I want to focus on this. So we're going to talk about that today. So let us pray. Father, we thank you that your words are life unto those that find us. And life unto those that find it. And medicine unto all flesh. We ask you that you'll speak to us today, God. May we hear from you. Holy Spirit, it is not by might nor by power, but it is by your power that the work of God is done. We're very conscious right now there's nothing I can say or do of my own that will have an impact. But I ask your Holy Spirit to come and to speak and to take control and to touch hearts and to give receptive ears and attentive hearts. And Lord, we just ask you that you will do what only you can do, Father. That no one will leave here the way they came. And those watching us by the World Wide Web will be impacted in the same way as if they were here. We ask you that the Spirit of God will do for them what only you can do. Well, we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people says, Amen. We're going to anchor what we are going to say. If we're going to think on the right things, then obviously I must go to the Scripture. Because I just said to you that if you want to think what is truth, and the truth is the right thing, then at the Word of God. So let's look at a verse of Scripture. In Colossians, a couple of verses actually. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Look at what it says. I want you to read it with me. Come on, let's read it together after 2. 1, 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's a whole lot right there, don't you think? That's a whole lot. And uh, we could spend a long time on that verse, by those verses. We're going to focus on what we, relates to what we're talking about, the mind. And it says, set your minds on things that are above. In other words, set your mind on eternity. Set your mind on eternity. One of the greatest schemes of the enemy today 
is to pull our focus away from eternity and get us completely caught up and distracted by the things of this earth and the cares of this life. The Bible says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of earth. I got to tell you, you and I know that we get so distracted with life, with the things that are here and now. And so today I'm hoping that as we talk about this, you and I can begin to look at our lives and make a change. The spirit of this age encourages you to take the short view of life. You know, recently, I don't know if you heard about it, but recently the global headlines were consumed with a person by the name of Ashley Madison. She had a website for people, listen to this, she had a website for people seeking to cheat on their spouses. And uh, somebody hacked into the website and exposed 30 million account holders. She had 30 million account holders, which were eventually made public. But the key, why am I bringing it up? Because of what the, the, in the tagline, the big thing, the motto of that website is this. Listen to this. Life is short, having a fear. That's exactly the opposite of what the Bible teaches. You see, the, these, this world wants you to just take the shortcut and, 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 to, and to go for everything that is quick, whatever gratifies you now, whatever it pleases you this moment, and it wants you to take the short view of life. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us that life is eternal. Therefore, live your brief time on this earth in light of those eternal realities. The world system is built on gratification and living for the present pleasures. But if we lose the meaning of eternity, we fail to see life from an eternal perspective and we lose everything that is important from God's point of view. To, for us, we need to be able to recognize that what God wants us to do is to view life from an eternal perspective. The truth of the matter, my friends, is that we are being prepared for eternity. Remember I talked about God is building character within us? And he's building a character that will last forever. And so he's most concerned about the character and our motives. Now the unique trials that we face each day are designed by an eternal God who sees you, he knows you, and they're not a mistake or by chance. You're going through some, some situations right now, and it's not by accident. It's not by chance. Whatever you're going through this moment, God knows about it. And he's been allowing it for a reason. Of course, we don't like that. We want to be able to get out of it right away. But God knows your advantages. He knows your disadvantages. He sees your family background. He knows about your marriage. He knows about your education. He knows everything about us. He even knows the minutest detail. The Bible says he can tell how many strands of hair you have left on your head this morning. Isn't that amazing? He sees the good and the bad circumstances that we face. And we must realize that God sees everything in an eternal context. The reason why we have a problem with some of the things that happen is because we are thinking about it in the short time. We're looking at it from this life. God is not, you must remember... God does not live in time. God lives in eternity. You and I live in time. God doesn't have a clock. He's not thinking it's 10, it's whatever time it is. He's not saying it's 9 something this morning. He's living in eternity. 
He sees the past, the present, and the future all at once. You and I can't do that. And so sometimes we try to get God to bring God into time when God is not into time as we are. God has given us time so that we can understand because our brains and our mind cannot fathom and think the way God thinks. And so he lives in eternity. And so right now, you know, you and I, when we think of something, and I'm going through a challenge, and I'm going through a trial, I'm thinking about it in the short run. I wish this thing could stop so I could move on to something else. But God's looking at the trial you and I are going through in light of his eternal plans. Now I want you to think about something for a moment. Can you imagine if the souls in hell were to come back today? Do you think they would live the same way? Do you think they would make the same mistake, forgetting God and rejecting Christ? Do you think they would squeeze God into just a little bit of time? Do you think they would spend less time on social media and less time watching movies and less time channel surfacing and less time on Instagram and less time on all these different things, texting with friends? Do you think they would make a change in your life? Do you think they would make time to spend time with God and reading the word? Do you think they would be carelessly allow sin and selfishness to creep into their lives? What would you think they would tell us about our lives? I want to say, my friends, I'm convinced that if they were to come back today, they would live very differently. Their values of life would change. And they would see things from an eternal perspective. The only things that really matter in life are the things that have bearing in the next life. You know, let me, let me make a statement. You know, eternity gives meaning to this life. You and I cannot live just for this life. We have to live this life in view of eternity. Because you have to remember, you and I are going to live forever. It's not something we have an option about. I can't change that. I can't adjust that. I can't opt out of it. You know, you can opt out of social security. You can opt out of whatever else you want to opt out of. But you cannot opt out of living forever. You and I are going to live forever. And we cannot therefore ignore it. And so people put it off out of their mind and push it away. Without the next life, nothing else really matters. If there was no hereafter, Paul t what Paul says will be right. If there was nothing after this, then you know what Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians? He says, then eat, drink, and be merry. If that was all there is, because for tomorrow we die. But we know that there is a hereafter. We know that there is a life after this. And because of that, today we cannot live our lives without thinking about the next. Everything we do ought to be done with a view of eternity in mind. Everything we say, our entire lives must be lived with preparing ourselves and others for the eternal time when we are going to be spending with, with God on the other side. Now here's a, I want you to think about this with two great men of God spoken. Here's what Jim Elliot says. He says, Father, let me lose my clutch on everything temporal. My life, my reputation, my possession. Lord, let me lose the tension of the grasping hand. Open my hand to receive the nail of Calvary as Christ was opened. He thought, heaven, yea, 
equality with God, not a thing to be clutched. So let me release my grasp. He says, I don't want to hold on to anything in this world. I want to hold on to anything. I want to release everything because nothing here ultimately really matters in the long run. Here, here, Leonard Ravenhill, a great man of God, here's what he says. Where or oh, where are the eternity conscious believers? Where are the souls white hot for God because their fear is holy name and presence and live with eternity values in view? You see, we must make our lives count, brethren. We, we, we got to come to that point where we begin to realize, I can't live for now. I have to live with eternity in mind. I have to ask myself some question. Will this hurt or hinder my own soul? What am I doing? Will this help to save somewhat a soul? Is this really a waste of time? Whatever activity I'm involved in, will it matter in eternity? You know, Jesus Christ came and he was a perfect example. The Bible tells us that, you know, when he came, he was focused on his mission and his purpose and why he was here. Even from the tender age of 12, he stayed back in Jerusalem and he met with the leaders. And when the parents lost him for three days and they looked for him, they found him in the temple dealing with the, the, the priest. And he says, when they found him, he says, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Because you see, that's what it is all about. It is that he was focused on what, it, what really matters. Can I tell you, the Bible says that everything we see around us will burn up one day. Everything you own, your car, your, your, your house, your, everything that you see, the Bible says, will go up in flames one day. Because God is going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And yet we are clinging to these things. And people ignore the future, eternity, and just focus on today. Here's what I need now. Here's how I need to organize my life. And we're, we're making plans. We go to great lengths to make plans for now. But we, don't, we are not preparing ourselves for the next. Because it's a preparing yourself for the next is not just receiving Christ. I want you to understand it's more than just accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's just the beginning, my friends. When you receive Christ, that's just the beginning of what you need to be doing. Now you need to grow to become a disciple. And now you need to be able to reach out to bring others and to snatch them from the powers of hell. And so we need to understand, if I'm not doing that, if I'm not focused on those things, then I'm just focused on what is here now. And Jesus Gave us the perfect example. I believe he never wasted a day. He really was focused on what he wants and what he was here about. You know, hell is a terrible place. And if Jesus Christ came and suffered, why would Christ, when you saw the passion of the Christ, you saw the passion of Christ, the movie, and if you saw the, you saw the beating, and so if, when I looked at it recently again, I, I didn't even want to bring it in for Easter, for Christmas. Was Good Friday. It was so gruesome. Why would he who did nothing leave heaven and go through all of that for what purpose? Because he knows how terrible hell is. We need to begin to remember the terribleness of hell. The horribleness of hell. So that we can be awakened to realize that the real business of life 
And any business, if it's not God's business, it's really not the real business. And Revelation reminds us because it describes what hell is like. He says, a place where men are tormented with fire and brimstone. He says, but the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which burns with brimstone, which is, the Bible says, the second death. Mark describes it this way, a place where the fire is not quenched, where the worm dieth not. And so it is a place that nobody wants to go to. The Bible itself talks about it's a place of hopelessness, a place of intense suffering. You remember this story in Luke chapter 16, when the man who was in hell, he says, and he cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip his finger, and just to get a drop of water because he was in so much torment. Why would we want people to go to that place? You know, the Bible says hell was made for the devil and his angels. Not one human being need to go to hell. It is not the will of God. It's not the desire of God. And my friends, when you come to Christ and when I come to Christ, our next step is to really, is to, really to try to snatch others from the, from the grips of hell. We need to be focused on eternity. And if you're not, if you don't focus on eternity, you're not going to see hell the way we need to see hell. Because you're going to focus on your life here. We're going to make preparations for here and now. But can I tell you, this is going to be over soon. and We're going to stand before God. And there's a day of reckoning coming. And we cannot ignore it. What I'm saying this morning is that we need to be awakened to the reality. We need to wake up to and understand we've got some serious things to do. God has left us here for a purpose and for a reason. And he's preparing us for eternity. And we can't just go by ourselves. Because I believe that there are going to be people when we look on the other side. They're going to say, you, you never talked to me. You never really acted as if it was very important. I can't imagine that you knew something, how terrible this place would be. And you just treated casually. You came to work every day. You didn't talk to me about anything. You see me in all these different places. I met with you and you never uttered a word to me. How could you not have warned me? My friends... Hell is horrible. You don't want any friend, no enemy, no relative, no one going there. But you know what? We tend, to, we tend to forget. You know we don't remember hell much? Because we remember, we focus on us going to heaven. And we think it's okay after we're going to heaven. But no, no, no. No one needs to go to hell. No one needs to go into eternity suffering. Where the Bible says it goes on forever and ever. Eternity is forever. It never stops. It never will. Nobody has a, once, you, once that person goes, it goes into the grave, they don't have a second chance. The Bible says appointed unto man wants to die and after that the judgment. Nobody has a second chance. And so we can't just really just ignore and walk around as if it's not a big deal. It is something that we need to come awake to. We need to begin to get our minds focused on eternity. The Bible says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things of this earth. You know, there are three things that will happen to us when we begin to focus on eternity. And I want to share those three things with you this morning. Number one, the first thing that will happen to us when we when we focus on eternity, is that we'll get our priorities right. 
We've got our priorities right. The biggest trick of the enemy is to deceive us into thinking, you know, the trivialities of life, that those things are critical, those things are important. I'm going to make some statement to you that may shock you, but you've got to realize, really, I want you to stop and think about it. Because I don't think we think enough. I don't think we think enough. I think we go along, but we really don't stop to think about what is really important. What's really important in life? You really give that real thought? If you have, do you know that once you die, whether you have $1 or $100 million, it won't make any difference? Do you know that once you die, whether you have one house or, ten, or 100 homes, it won't make any difference? Do you know that once you die, it doesn't matter whether you have a one car or 100 cars? It won't matter if you owe $1 or you owe $100,000. What's really important? Let me shock you by saying, do you know it doesn't really matter whether the stock market goes up or down? Even more. Did you know it doesn't really matter if, the, if we balance the, the federal budget? It really doesn't matter. In the short run, all of these things look like they matter. But how could we neglect the eternity, the eternal or the temporal? And our lives are filled and focused with what is now, 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 now. And we ignore the eternal completely. And everything is about how we're going to fix now and what is important now. And, and is my stock going up or is, my, is there money for my retirement? And, and some people are not even going to make it there. And then we focus on everything for that. And we're preparing for that, and we're preparing for now, and we're preparing for this, and we're preparing for that. And then, we, and then you ask, how have you prepared your soul for eternity? What have you done for God that when you stand before Him, and He says, I gave you this talent, I gave you these abilities, I gave you these time. What are you going to say? Are you going to say, let the man, the one with the one talent, well, you know, I, I didn't want to use it, I was afraid. I buried it. My friends... It is time we start thinking about eternity. It is time we start recognizing that it doesn't matter here. We go through trials and we go through difficulties. And you know what Paul says? Paul says this light affliction is but for a moment because it's working anymore. If it's working far more. Glory for God. And then he says, you know, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. And if you ever hear how Paul suffered, if you ever heard how many beatings he got in fasting often, in shipwrecks, in, 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 in danger with countrymen, in danger with peril on the sea, in peril in this, in peril in that. He was in peril in a lot of things. This was the mighty man of God who wrote almost more than half the New Testament. And he talked about that and he says, I want to tell you, all this suffering that I've gone through cannot be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in Christ Jesus. But how was Paul able to endure? That's the second thing. You see, when you live for eternity, 
is going to help you to see your trials in a new perspective. When you're living for eternity, you realize that what you're going through, as bad as it seems, is not going to be bad to her. Because guess what? This too will pass. And it's not going to last forever. And there is something better on the other side. Oh, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. You see, you got to think about that. You may not have a mansion here, my friend. You may be living in a shack here. Don't worry. You, I've got a mansion. You, you know, you've got to prepare that you have a mansion over the hilltop. That's the focus of our lives. That's what we should be concerned about because we are going to spend eternity there. The most you can live here probably is a hundred and something years. That's the most. You're going to spend eternity on the other side. Why sacrifice and prepare and focus and get ready and make sure everything is intact for now and ignore the next? It's time we realize that I have to live life with eternity in view. Because when I do that, it gets my priorities in the right order. I begin to recognize what's really important in life. So I don't have a big nest egg. So I don't have a, I don't, I mean, I lost a lot of money. So I lost money when the stock market went down. So I, so, so I don't know where, what my retirement is going to look like. Hey, it may seem like a big deal in the world's view. But when you start comparing it to eternity, it's a triviality. You know, it, it <laughs> and maybe it's not getting you until you begin to really think it through. That's why I want you to think. What seems, that's what the enemy's plan is. He makes what is trivial seem so important. Now, we don't say that you shouldn't prepare for the future. But we're saying it must not supersede your preparation for eternity. We want you to prepare for the future. And we want you to think about it. In fact, we're going to have a seminar coming up on the 25th where we're going to talk about wills and trust and things so that people can understand and prepare for those times when they get there. But that is not the primary thing. As important as that, it is not the most important thing. That must still be viewed in light of eternity. So I'm not panicking or worried. Do you think God can take care of you? My friends, I have seen it over and over again. When you serve God, when you put Him first, let me tell you something. He finds people to take care of you at the end. I have a, I'm a living witness to that in several situations. People who have fully dedicated themselves to God. They don't have any future. They have no money for the future. They can't even bury themselves. They don't have any money to bury them. And do you know what I see God doing? Because they were faithful to God. Because they were true to God. He raised up people. He raised up people. Because when you are one of His, He will take care of you. You'll never be able to say to God, you owe me. That's why the more you do for God 
the more you are storing up, the more, he's, you, you know, the more you have for him to be able to bless you with something. Because if you do nothing for God, what, 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 what is, you, know, you, don't, you don't plant in a seed, you don't do anything. What kind of harvest are you going to get? But I've seen people who have nothing, zero. They don't have money to bury them. And I've seen them die. And I've seen people come out of the woodwork. God raised up people. And you want to set the funeral they have. It's amazing. Why? Because you put God first. But if you focus on the here and now, I've seen people who've done that. I got to tell you, I've seen people who have done that. And I've seen their end too. And there's been a lot of big fighting and enforcing and things when they come to the end. And they, they were not laid to rest in peace. They were laid to rest in a lot of turmoil and a lot of fighting and infighting between the families. They had stuff. But they didn't go down very well. You see, my friends, it is the enemy's trick to let you and I think the most important thing is now in terms of preparing for this world. But we need to be thinking in terms of eternity. As a believer, you need to think in terms of eternity. And then the third thing, so number one, if you, live in, if you have eternity in view, it's going to get your priorities right. Number two, it's going to let you look at your trials and temptation with the right perspective. And then, of course, number three is that the third view, it will cause you to look at people and to value people properly. You see, my friends, people, when you begin to have eternity in view, you realize that people are not just flesh and blood. They are dying people. People that are going to die in their ever-dying souls. They're never, they're never dying souls. They're going to live forever. They're not just somebody, just an ordinary person over there. They're never dying souls. They're important to God. He died for them. And so we need to recognize who they are and value them. They're a soul. And God is concerned about their soul. And so the person, the drunkard sitting on the, on, the, on, the, on the pathway, and the drunkard that you may pass on the, on, the, on the walkway, and sometimes you pass somebody sitting on the ground, and whoever they are, they are a soul that God died for. And he's concerned about them. And he made preparation for them. We need to think about it. You know, this lady told about a story that caused her to change her mind. She said, four years ago, my life dramatically changed in an instant. She says, I was running to answer at my doorbell to get a new computer for writing. I slipped on my top step, fell all the way down the stairs, landing on the bottom in a heap. My husband quickly drove me to the emergency room. I ended up in the hospital with a broken wrist and heel. I was in a wheelchair for months with a cast on my foot and leg and one on my arm. From a human viewpoint, it made no sense at all. There were months of recovery where I couldn't do a thing. During that time, I had a lot of time to think. <laughs> Listen to this. I thought about life, she says. I thought about what was important. I thought about eternity. Through this unfortunate circumstance, God turned personal tragedy and loss into blessing and joy. Why? 
because he gave me an eternal perspective that changed everything. Running to go pick up a computer from the door that was being delivered. Stump, tumbling down the stairs and ending up in the hospital. Going through pain and stuff for months. But you know what she says? It says what the Bible says. All things what? Work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. She began to think about life. It happened just like that. One moment she was fine in her house. The next moment she was on her way to the hospital. And they began to think about life and to think about what's really important. What is life really all about? And began to realize that I need to really get my life and think about eternity and believe my life in light of eternity. And so when I'm doing something, will this have eternal values? Will this make a difference in eternity? So I just don't do things and I just don't do anything and, and I have to think about it. What impact will this have? On my eternity. Every time we, it is time for us to change our perspective and seek that which is above. It is time for us to live in light of eternity. Set your mind on things that are above, the Bible says, and not on things that are on this world. But, but you know, it goes on to say, for we, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ. You know, dead persons can't respond to external stimuli. And the Bible says we are dead to this world in, those, in that kind of way. Reckon, the Bible says, in, and Paul says in Romans, reckon, your, yourself, reckon yourself to be dead to sin. And so it's keep telling us, what is it the focus? What is the focus? What is our primary thing, focus? It should be eternity. Now to the unbeliever, I want to ask the question, are you ready? Are you ready for eternity? The story is told of a lady by the name of Sharon. Sharon was a dedicated hospice nurse who had worked for many years. She was diagnosed with cancer and it hit her very hard. She struggled for four years to the very best she could be. She was loved by all her, 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 her peers. And she had trained a lot of them. It is reported that a friend visited her in her one afternoon and was thrilled to hear her say, when she hugged Sharon, she said, oh, thank you for coming. I am ready. This is Sharon that spent many hours walking along the beach talking with her God. She was comfortable. Talking with him in a place where it was natural for her. Not long after Sharon said that, the next day actually, she died. So the question, my friend, if you're not a Christian, are you ready to meet Christ? Or are you in danger of putting it off for another day? Are putting it off too long? Have you yielded your life to Christ? Have you said yes to him as Savior? The Bible uses the word now when it comes to salvation. When it comes to committing yourself to Christ, it says, now command all men everywhere to repent, it says in Acts 17. 
Paul talks to the Corinthians. He says, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The book of Isaiah comes and says, now, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. You see, for the, for the person who have not made a decision to receive Christ, you need to make that now. This is not something you put off. This is not something you say, well, another time. You need to do that today. That's what is a today action. And as I, as I encourage you to do that right now, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right where you are, everybody. And if you've never done so, I want you to, I'm going to say a prayer. And you can say that prayer in your heart. And you can say that prayer out right where you are. You can say this prayer. Dear God, right now I confess my sins. I don't want to delay another moment. I now invite Jesus into my heart to be my Savior. Today, I confess him as my Lord. I claim his promise of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let today be the day of salvation for you. Don't put it off any longer. You've never made that decision. Stand together with me. The ostrich buries its head in the sand because it doesn't know better. If you read the Bible, it talks about the ostrich. It's not very smart. People can bury their heads in the sand, so to speak, to not think about eternity. To not focus on it. But I tell you, it's coming. It's coming. And it could be closer than you think. Jesus could come at any time. Over 2,000 years ago, when Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, they thought he was coming so urgently that many of them stopped working. They gave up their jobs and they were just sitting at home waiting for Jesus to arrive. Paul says, no, 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 get back to work. But live with the expectation and anticipation that he could come tomorrow. That's 2,000 years ago. You know what that means? We're 2,000 years closer to his coming. If they thought it was coming was so urgent 2,000 years ago, how much closer is he now then? Because there is nothing on the history, nothing on the prophetic timeline needs to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place. It can take place any moment. 
If you've never received Christ, I want to plead with you today. Don't put it off. I'm gonna, we're going to sing this chorus, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. John Newton, who wrote that hymn, was a slave trader. A man who went through tremendous hardships because of his lifestyle. He was a sailor with a foul mouth. If you ever hear his story, but God saved him. I mean, I mean, and the man that was so horrible and evil and wicked and terrible and all the attitude can say, if anybody, if John Newton can be saved, trust me, if you read his biography, anybody can be saved. And John Newton went on to write one of the greatest hymns of all time. Around the world, wherever you go, everybody knows amazing grace. You see what God can do when he takes a life? The changes that God can make in a life? And maybe you're thinking about your own life and you're thinking, what about me? What can God, what I, God can turn your life around in a way and he can use you to impact John Newton has impacted the world. A slave trader who suffered much, went through a lot of suffering. So when he says, when he, when he read this, when you read about a wretch like me, he was a wretch. He's not writing something that he really wasn't. He's writing something that he really was. When you read his life, you would really call him a wretch. In the fullest term, sense of the word. But, but the grace of God. But the grace of God. And his grace is available today. And as we sing this this morning, if you need God's grace, if you need God to turn your life around, can you slip out and come to the altar and say, God, I'm, I'm coming to demonstrate that I need you to do something for me today. I'm not leaving this place the way I came in. I want, I'm, I'm, I'm making a change. As we sing it, and as God speaks to your heart, will you come? Amazing grace, how sweet the Yeah. 
verses. I, I, I want you to really take this invitation seriously. Don't brush it off. Don't treat it lightly. You, need, you know you need to come to the altar. You don't need to look at who's looking at what who's watching. You need to make that decision yourself. You need to come. You need to take care of business. You need to take care of what's important. Nothing is more important than your soul. Nothing. No marriage, no career, no education. Nothing is more important than your soul. Is it well with your soul? And do you want to come and say, God, I'm coming because of, I need your grace today. I need some of your grace. And you saying, God, I need your grace. I need it. And I want you to come as we sing it. Through many dangers, toils, and snares. God we thank you for your grace that is available this morning marvelous grace of our loving Lord grace that exceeds my sin and my guilt we thank you God you are 
gracious and you care and you're concerned oh God for your grace but for the grace of God where would we be today? Thank you for your grace, God. Thank you for your grace. Great and awesome, God. People need your grace. We need your grace today, God. We need the grace of God. We need your touch. We need you like never before, God. Oh, Great and mighty God. Grace. 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 Oh, God. But for your grace, God. Your grace is sufficient. Your strength is made perfect. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hear and answer, Lord. Hear and answer, God. Hear and answer. Hear and answer, God. Precious Father, Precious Father, Holy God, Holy God, Holy God, You are holy, You are holy, You are holy. You are holy. You are holy. You are holy, O oh God. Holy God. Righteous God. We surrender today. Surrender. Surrender. Surrender again. Surrender afresh. Oh, great and awesome God. You're able to do what no one else can do, God. Father, in the name of Jesus. Spirit of God, do the work of God right now. Do the work of God. Oh, Spirit of God. Speak as only you can, God. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we need you, His grace, His grace is sufficient, His strength is made perfect in your weakness, there is sufficient grace. God, give the grace that is needed right now. Supply that grace, God. 
Supply that grace, we pray in the name of Jesus. Grace. 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 God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse. that you're a God of grace a God of a second chance thank you Lord thank you that you supply the grace that is needed for the moment that we need it it is sufficient for that time for that hour for that minute for that second your grace becomes sufficient Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we ask you to take control today. Be glorified in this place. Be exalted and be lifted up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. 
Amen. Regarding the Sunday school, uh, the Bible class meeting with the teachers, we're going to uh, postpone that to next week. We're going to reschedule that for next Sunday evening at 5.45 p.m. because we have a bunch of people that are missing today. And it's a holiday weekend. And so if you were notified about the Bible class teachers meeting for this evening, we're rescheduling that for next Sunday at 5.45. God bless you. You can go to your various classes. Well, Sister Francis, an announcement. Good morning. I know those of you uh, supported the women's ministry raffle, you're looking forward. And uh, I don't see the person who was one. Brother Harding did the drawing out there since he didn't have a ticket. And uh, Sister Duma, where are you? Sister Duma, you're the blessed one. Well, if you're not here, we'll keep it. <laughs> okay, God bless you. <laughs>